When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Powered by Clear Vision Development Group, this is Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast. Each week, we'll provide you with top business insights, fresh perspectives from world-class guests, and the tools you need to lead better than before. And now, here's your host, author and business coach, Tony Richards. Hello, everyone. Welcome back once again. This is Tony Richards welcoming you to Better Than Before here on the C-Suite Radio Network. Hope you had a great Valentine's Day last week and you didn't eat too much candy and didn't gain too much weight from both the Super Bowl and also followed up immediately by Heavy Candy Day on Valentine's Day. Today, I'm going to focus on the book of the month. And the latest book I just read, The Film Doesn't Lie by Jimmy Dykes. Jimmy is an ESPN color analyst on college basketball and has been for several years. He took a brief time out from that, and he was the head coach of the women's team for college basketball at the University of Arkansas. Jimmy himself attended the University of Arkansas. I first became aware of Jimmy when he was an assistant basketball coach at the University of Kentucky, of course, for Coach Eddie Sutton. And then I've just followed his career because, as you know, if you're a regular listener of this program, I am a big college basketball fan, and I watch a lot of college basketball. And Jimmy is a regular color analyst, mostly on SEC games. He does a good job. I mean, some people don't like him because, well, here, here's the deal. Anyone who says anything against your team, you tend to not like, and you tend to think they are biased because they're not a what's known in the broadcasting business as a homer. Jack Buck was a homer. I mean, he was for the St. Louis Cardinals. You know why? He was employed by the St. Louis Cardinals. And a lot of people may not remember this, but way back in the day, On both television and radio, Jack Buck was the NFL television announcer, both on TV and radio, for CBS Sports. And when he did those games on CBS, he tried to play it right down the middle. He was neutral. But when he was the home broadcast announcer for the St. Louis Football Cardinals, and perhaps even better known as the announcer for the St. Louis Baseball Cardinals, When he was on those broadcasts and he was being paid by the Cardinals, of course he was for the St. Louis Cardinals. And he said, like, we need a hit here or we need to get this tough out or we need a double play. Of course he was biased to the home team. And that's a homer. But when you're being paid by the media to be a neutral analyst or neutral play-by-play person like a Jim Nance 
Well, Jim's a play-by-play, but color analyst uh, in football, Tony Romo, you try to be as neutral as possible, and you have both positive and negative things to say about both teams. Uh, A lot of Kentucky fans don't like Jimmy because he does say things about them from time to time, as he does every team. But I like Jimmy. He's a good friend and a great man also, just a quality human being. I'm going to go through some highlights of his book, The Film Doesn't Lie. Now, I will also tell you up front that, and I didn't really know this before I read this book, it actually enhanced my enjoyment of the book. Now, for you, depending on your persuasion, it may or it may not, but Jimmy is a godly man, and God is a huge part of his life, as is Jesus Christ. And Jimmy makes a lot of reference to that throughout the book. And so that may or may not be your cup of tea. For me, I really enjoyed it. It really enhanced my reading of the book. So I'm going to go through and give you some highlights of the film Doesn't Lie. It's a fantastic leadership and self-improvement book. I think you might think so, too, after I give you some of these high spots. It starts out with Reese Davis, who is an ESPN announcer. You may be familiar with Reese. In the forward, let me give you just a piece of that forward. He says, I see Jimmy Dykes live with consistency, courage, compassion, empathy, and humility. He possesses a great awareness of the standard needed to find success. More accurately, how finding success is truly defined by giving our lives to Christ and what that looks like as we are going on through our paths on a daily basis. 2 Corinthians 13.5 encourages us to examine ourselves to see whether we are in the faith. Jimmy's walk with God constantly encourages and challenges me to do that. I trust you will be similarly inspired. Only by studying the film from the game will we be, in Jimmy's words, hard to guard. And so the name of the book is The Film Doesn't Lie, and it's a metaphor for how college teams in all sports, actually pro, college, in every sport you can think of, you evaluate your previous performance by watching a film of that performance, and that helps you find strengths and weaknesses in your performance. Chapter one is titled Evaluate Your Film. And here's a couple things that I found most interesting. A focus on winning will conceal your deficiencies and can camouflage the problems. A focus on improvement will expose your faults and magnify your weaknesses. Unfortunately, hard stops most people. But if you want to make progress, you cannot run from hard. Boy, isn't that the truth? Let me share with you. Jimmy explains how he got to the concept of the book. Some of my most enjoyable moments as an analyst for ESPN occur when I'm given the opportunity to sit through a film review with a coaching staff and their players. Before the film session occurs, I can tell you every coach on staff has watched the entire film multiple times. For a college basketball staff, six to ten people have put their eyes on a film multiple times, identified the problems, and made adjustments to fix those problems. A college football coaching staff of 20 to 30 people have their eyes on every single play of a four-hour game. Think about that for a moment. We're talking hundreds of hours committed to the evaluation process of a game that only has 60 minutes of actual playing time. That speaks clearly to the importance of evaluations individually. Those coaches will watch a single play multiple times from different angles in their office late into the night. 
as an entire staff, that's the first thing they do the next morning. Everyone's in the room and searching that film with a trained eye, making detailed notes, determining why something is happening and highlighting what will be discussed with the entire team and individual players. Everything is open for evaluation and critique at this point, and it doesn't matter if the film they are grading was a game that resulted in a win or a loss. The evaluation process does not change. Coaches are searching for ways to get better. Improvement is the goal, plain and simple. After these film evaluations are completed by the coaching staff, more times than not, an edited version of the game or practice is presented to the players. Some coaches prefer to show these graded film clips in order as they occurred during the game. Others will show the positive plays first and then plays that need correcting second. Every head coach has his or her way of doing things, but the goal is the same for all, which is improvement. LSU football coach Ed Ogeron refers to the team's film sessions as Tell the Truth Mondays. That is the day of the week set aside for the entire team to watch the previous game's film. Truth is revealed, teaching points are made, and strides to improvement begin. Later on in Chapter 1, Jimmy makes these points. He says, you are what you do, not what you say you are doing. And the film will confirm this one way or the other. You cannot correct those areas you are unwilling to confront. And any film session done correctly will include moments of confrontation. The evidence will clearly be shown on film. Questions will be asked between coaches and players. Answers will be demanded and teaching will be accomplished. Few things at the collegiate or professional level are more difficult to endure than a two-hour film session with both players and coaches in attendance. The actions, attitudes, decisions, and efforts that show up on film are clear and convincing. The film session becomes even more painful if that game film they are watching resulted in a loss. Every missed assignment, example of poor body language, lack of execution, or intensity is shown and thoroughly dissected. For a player watching this kind of film in this type of setting, there is no place to hide and no excuses to be made. The film doesn't lie. The good and the bad are clearly visible to everyone in the room. What must be corrected is obvious to all. Having won or lost that particular game is not the heart of the issue. The purpose is to stalk the problems and change what needs to be changed. Jimmy also says there is a high degree of non-negotiable accountability in these meetings. It is sincere, direct, and straightforward. And I love this part right here. The main idea of these reviews is I love you enough to confront you with the truth. The standards and expectations for how a coach believes his team should perform are made crystal clear to everyone in the room. And real change can only occur after what needs to be changed has been clearly defined. You can only change what you're aware of, right? You can only work on things that have been brought to your attention and brought out of your either unconscious incompetence or out of your blind spot. And I promise you, as a human being, there are things that go on every single day in your presence that you are not aware of and you don't even notice. And they're flying by you. If your blind spot is big, you're missing a lot of those things. If your blind spot is small, you're missing a few of those things. But make no mistake, you have some kind of a blind spot. None of us have such a great aperture 
that our blind spot is non-existent. No one has that. Every human being has some degree of blind spot, some degree of things that are not within our entire vision that we're not seeing. Therefore, we're not working on. Chapter two is entitled Commitment. And I don't have a whole lot to say about this chapter because you need to read the book. But the story of Eddie Martin and the story of Becky Patterson, those two stories will make you weep. I cried several times while reading these two stories. And I got to say, just you need to get the book and read it. I will just make the note of one particular statement that Jimmy makes in chapter two. Not everything that gets your attention deserves your attention. Amen to that, man. Chapter three is called the spoken word. And there's a quote. There's a lot of quotes in here from coaches that you've probably heard of. Just about everybody that's anybody in college basketball that you've heard of that's a coach. Jimmy's got a story about him throughout the book. But in chapter three, he's got a story about Coach Mike Krzyzewski. And the one key thing that Coach K said that I wanted to make note of here You have to have a strong face, even if you don't feel strong. You can speak it into action if you do. And boy, I have heard that more times than I care to remember. You have to behave yourself into whatever you want. Sometimes you have to do it afraid. Even though you feel fear, you have to behave your way into a non-fearful state. Jimmy says of himself in chapter three, When I listen to my game film from time to time, I close my eyes and turn up the volume. And just to remind you, when he says I'm reviewing my game film or you need to review your game film, he's really saying just think back through situations or review your life in those situations, right? He says, I am not always proud of what I hear. My words are not full of grace or seasoned with salt, as God instructs in Colossians 4, 6. I hear a tone at times with my wife, our daughter, and those closest to me that can be harsh, hurtful, and sharp. I am reminded that how you speak to your children becomes their inner voice, and it's one of the most important things a parent should understand. Chapter 4 is entitled Forgiveness. What stood out to me in this chapter is this unforgiveness in our hearts separates us from God. Unforgiveness in our home separates us from each other. I believe the most important quality a home can have is forgiveness. And I say that because we all have a way of offending those we love. I can be disrespectful, graceless, or short with my wife or daughter much quicker than any other person that may cross my path in a single day. Maybe you aren't like that. I just know that's how I am. And if I don't take the lead in asking for forgiveness, I am not leading my home the way a dad and husband is called to do. Certainly, the goal should be to never snap back or have harsh words with each other. I don't know how realistic that is. What is realistic, however, is a home that forgives quickly, selflessly, and generously. And then one other thing that I made note of in Chapter 4 Those hours or days of holding grudges, allowing anger to seep into your heart and putting a wall up between you and your spouse are prime times for your enemy to attack. Remember, your enemy is watching your film. He zooms in on those times of silence and separation that we choose to have. Do all you can to minimize those moments. Know the damage that is being caused. Chapter five is called Survive the Drought. And he leads off chapter five with this great quote. And, you know, I love quotes, but this is from Walt Disney. 
All the adversity I've had in my life, all the troubles and obstacles have strengthened me. You may not realize it when it happens, but a kick in the teeth may be the best thing in the world for you. And there's another personal story in here of a person named Austin Hatch. And all I can tell you is you need to read the book to get the story of Austin Hatch. There are four things that Jimmy points out in chapter five, survive the drought that I want to point out to you. First one is resilience. What happens to us is never as important as how we respond to it. We are not the product of our circumstances. We are the product of how we choose to respond. Integrity. In the context of overcoming adversity or working to achieve any goal, this is about following through on our commitments. Integrity is doing what we said we would do, especially when our circumstances change. Team first. We should always think about the team or others first. We must train ourselves to think we before me. And let's see, two more key points in this chapter. Droughts are guaranteed to happen. Maybe you've already been thinking through life-changing dust storms and perhaps more than one time. Perhaps you are headed into one right now and don't even see it coming. But it's coming and will come at a time that doesn't make sense, at a time that is not fair and will make you question God, life, and everything in between. That dry season may last days, weeks, months, or years. How do you survive those harshest times of life? Don't wait until adversity strikes to consider your response. Droughts have a way of confusing our thoughts and shaking our core. And in the last thing here in chapter five, Jimmy says, I will be honest with you. This is probably the most difficult chapter to write and possibly the most important one for anyone to absorb. We are all pretty decent when it's going our way. If nothing else, we can fake our joy when the finances, status, doctor's reports, and paths of our children are all good. But there is no faking it when the real drought hits and your life spins out of control. Chapter six and chapter six, Jimmy talks about the loudest gymnasiums and arenas that he's called basketball games in. And the chapter is called, man, this place is rocking. And again, he starts out with a great quote from Ram Das that says, the quieter you become, the more you can hear. Jimmy says, we're bombarded daily with noise and temptations calling for our attention and begging us to respond and react in different ways. Oftentimes, the noise we hear sounds promising, fulfilling, and innocuous. Noise presents itself in a way that can make it very difficult to not act or respond to its calling. This is where discernment has to come into play. You and I must determine the right voice from the wrong voice, and we must know the right voice from the almost right voice. Almost right can get you off course just as quickly as wrong. We all have multiple signals, numerous voices, and unlimited sounds that are calling for our attention in any 24-hour period. Every waking moment, we're surrounded by relentless appeals pulling on us to go in a different direction. Consider how many voices every day are calling for your attention. Chapter 7 is called Toughness. And Jimmy gives us his definition of toughness. He says, I believe toughness can be defined as you do what's right when it's hard to do what's right. I desire to be one of those people, though I'm not always at the level I want to be. I want to surround myself with tough people and have their influence on me, as opposed to someone who wavers from situation to situation and whether or not they make wise choices. 
One of the great tests of life is whether or not we continue to do the right thing when it gets extremely hard to do the right thing. Life is going to send difficult trials straight down our path at some point. I'm talking late in the game, when you're exhausted, fatigued, and cannot make it through another play, another hour, another day. And when adversity does not get to that point, your toughness will be crucial. Or when adversity does get to that point, your toughness will be crucial as to how well you survive it. The kind of toughness we are in search of has nothing to do with how physically strong you are, what your pain tolerance is, or the colorful language you use. Instead, it's measured by this. At what point do you opt out and doing what is right is no longer what you do? Chapter eight is simply called balance. Jimmy in the book, he shares how he tried to balance the very tough job of being a head coach at the university of Arkansas with being there for his young daughters and his wife. And he talks about how, when he was a announcer for ESPN, his schedule was very set. He knew days he was going to be gone. He knew what his travel schedule was. He knew when he was going to leave and when he was going to get home. But when he became a head coach at Arkansas, that all upended. It was basically a lot of it was left up to him as to how much he was going to put into the job. And then, of course, he went back to ESPN. But he's he's talking about in this chapter how he tried to balance things when the job was demanding more of him than it was at ESPN. He says, we all have demands on us from a job, a boss, or our own expectations or financial pressures. And if we're not determined to keep balance in our lives, we will underperform in many areas. This chapter may relate to men more than any other. I see the demands many of you are under for different reasons. I've had similar all-consuming thoughts and used that same exhausting energy we feel is necessary to do the job, gain favor with the boss, hit your numbers, make the sale, or grow a brand. When I hear someone say they cannot turn off the work switch when they walk through the door at home, I know exactly what they mean. The pressure to perform and concern that someone is outworking you can drag any of us to destinations that we never intended to go. As a result, you and I have to decide who or what ultimately determines how we manage our days and where the cutoff point is with our time. Either we set those standards or someone or something has set them for us. If work performance is at the top of the list for things that can quickly get us out of balance and off course, number two is likely the emphasis, pressure, and priority that many parents are sucked into, making sure their kid is the very best. A number of families I see today are under extreme stress in their lives due to the time, money, and emotional commitment that's being made toward youth sports or competitions. The pressure that families are feeling to keep up with others who are pursuing the same dream for their child is intense. I hear from parents a lot these days about the toll a summer travel baseball team, a showcase camp, a dance competition, or an AAU volleyball team is taking on their life, their work, their family, and their relationships. I read a recent study on common traits of Olympic athletes. One of those common areas centered on the high organizational ability of those who go on to compete in the Olympics. They are abnormal in one key area. What's important right now remains important right now. How they structure the hours in their days and week are high priority. Time management is not a roll of the dice or determined by the winds of the day. If something is going to be important to you on the last day of your life, you better make it important to you today. This is true in so many areas, but I believe it is especially important when it comes to spending a time with our family. I'm talking about undivided attention with the phone turned off and thoughts engaged. It's time 
to put away the laptop. And then just a couple of points about parenting that he made that I really resonated with me. Parenting is a contact sport. If you're not sure how you're doing in the area of engaging with your children, start by asking yourself this question. Who are the five closest friends my son or daughter has and what are they into? If you can answer that accurately, you're doing a lot of good things in the area of engagement. If you struggle to answer that question, take note as you grade your film. And then here he makes one more point about your last day on earth. He says, on your last day on earth, are you really going to wish you had read one more chart, broken down one more spreadsheet, watched one more ball game, viewed one more episode on Netflix, or scrolled through social media one more time? I just don't think that's going to be the case. You better start making important now what's going to be important on your last day. Powerful. Chapter nine, are your non-negotiables negotiable? And I just had one thing here that I wanted to point out from the film Doesn't Lie. The discipline required to do basic fundamental tasks over and over again is of great value. Sadly, that type of discipline is the exception in more case than the norm. Doing the right thing once does not determine success. It's not doing something correctly one time that brings us to victory. It's doing the one thing right over and over again that determines our gain. The daily and consistent grind separates average from exceptional. Perfection of the basics is a narrow road that few people choose to walk. Long stretches of nothing spectacular will test one's will and reveal one's heart. Those who excel at the common are uncommon. The grit and fortitude necessary to simply pursue the essentials of any task is rare. Reward comes, however, to those who consistently conquer and what many view as simple, minimal, and irrelevant. I am fascinated at times when I see basic beat elaborate and simple beat complex. Doing what is right simply because it's right. The payoff can be massive. Chapter 10 is called Guard Your Heart. And again, it starts off with a power. There's a quote that kicks off every chapter. And I'm just making note to you the ones that I really, really enjoyed. This one's Nelson Mandela. As I walked out the door toward the gate that would lead to my freedom, I knew if I didn't leave my bitterness and hatred behind, I'd still be in prison. Jimmy says we must first establish what we determine what is allowed into our heart and what is not. I cannot protect your heart for you any more than a teammate on the bench can guard your yard while you're playing defense in a basketball game. That teammate can encourage you, but he can't do your job for you. That principle holds true in basketball, and it holds true in life. You have the responsibility to guard your heart. It's a job that cannot be delegated or passed on to someone else. If something is thriving in your heart that has the potential to destroy you, it will destroy you if not removed. You may be able to delay the hurtful response or harmful action that comes from an infected heart for a brief period of time, just off sheer determination and discipline. But if you do not intentionally fend off those invasions that the enemy has designed for the purpose of taking you down, they will take you down. Prospering, thriving culture never happens by accident. It is developed over time, and whether we're talking about an individual who desires a culture of trusting God with greater depth or a team that wants to develop a culture of toughness, the pursuit of culture requires constant awareness, relentless stalking, and constant protection once it's obtained. And finally, chapter 11 is titled, Partial Obedience is Not Obedience. And talking about obedience, Jimmy says, 
Obedience is a choice, and it's one we all must face. It is one of the few things in life that we can control. If you've seen on your film an area where you're not submissive to what God has spoken to you about, why is that? Partial obedience is not obedience. You either touch the line or you don't. And he had previously been talking about sprints that he they, they get players to do in practice to build discipline and to work them out. You either touch the line or you don't. The sinful nature in all of us will make excuses and try to justify almost touching the line or at least getting close to the line than you were before. And he tells a John Calipari story about going to a practice at the University of Kentucky. And he talks about Cal's coaching in practice. And he says, Coach Cal took a minute to show his star recruit exactly the footwork he wanted off a pick-and-roll play designed specifically for Anthony Davis. As Cal walked back to the sideline, he blew his whistle again as the gym once again fell silent. He said, listen, all of you, but particularly you freshmen, I'm not going to hold you accountable for things we've not gone over and worked on. We have a ton of stuff that we have not gotten to yet. It's October. It's early. We are throwing a lot at you. I get it. But I am darn sure going to hold you accountable for the things that we've gone over since day one and things you should know. Every one of you has to take responsibility right now for listening, learning, and doing your job. I'm not asking you to do someone else's job. I'm asking you to do your job, and I'm holding you accountable to do what we've taught you to do. Do your job. And then the last point in this chapter, no team watches just one film and moves on. It's a continual process. Watch every game, watch every play. Continue to grade your film with a trained eye and an accepting heart. Make it a regular part of your week, but don't fool yourself. Be honest and transparent with your evaluation. And the book is called The Film Doesn't Lie, and it's by Jimmy Dykes, ESPN college basketball color analyst on television. And I liked it. You know, I liked the book quite a bit. I'd recommend it to you. Obviously, people who are of the Christian faith are going to maybe enjoy it more. But all those points I went over, most of them, 90% of them applies to everybody and will help you as far as your own personal development and also leadership development. And I would suggest you pick up the book when you can and read it. Well, that's our show today, Better Than Before on the C-Suite Radio Network. Please follow me on Twitter at Tony Richards 4 You can also subscribe to my free weekly newsletter. It's an e-newsletter. comes in your email box. It's called the Monday Morning Memo. You can go to my website, clearvisiondevelopment.com, and find the box at the bottom of the homepage. Enter your email address, and you're in. And you'll get my thoughts each and every Monday morning as you roll into the week. Special thanks, as always, to my super producer, Tessa Hall, who puts these programs together. And until we visit again here next week on Better Than Before on the C-Suite Radio Network, I'm Master Coach Tony Richards reminding you, that everything gets better when you get better. Thank you for listening to Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast powered by Clear Vision Development Group. For more resources from Tony, visit clearvisiondevelopment.com. Join us next time for another episode of Better Than Before with Tony Richards.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.